Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I am Laura. Uh, not much, really not any baseball news that I have to talk about. Part of that could be because um, I'm in Texas, and as you know, the last week has been awful. I was lucky, and it hasn't been as awful for me as it has been a lot of the state. However, I haven't paid attention to much outside of snow, ice, and electricity news. Um, But spring training did start. Uh, Pitchers and catchers started reporting last week, uh, early in the week. Monday, as you're listening to this, 21 teams will start their full squad practices. The other nine will start the next day. I don't know why they have it split up as like majority start Monday and the rest start Tuesday. makes no sense to me, but no one asked me for my opinion on that. So that's really all I have. The one thing I wanted to mention for my Cubs fandom is that they did sign um, Jake Arrieta, and which right. is like a super big deal as far yeah. as like because he's kind of diminished as a pitcher. Yeah. However, I kind of love it because they clearly aren't trying to win the World Series this year, so might as well go for like great ways to like get the fans yeah. invested because he wasn't super expensive and I think all the fans love it especially because David Ross his manager now caught yeah. one of his no hitters it was the only no hitter David Ross ever caught in his career and stuff like that so there's like a lot of these cool things yeah the Rangers <laughs> kind of did that a couple years where they just kind of like brought back old favorites it felt like so those are always fun which it would be one thing if they were really trying to win. And then you're like, okay, yeah. why are you doing this? Because sometimes hockey yeah. teams do that where it's like, okay, this is a step too far. We didn't need to do this. <laughs> yeah. But if you're not trying to win, might as well like make it fun for people. Yeah. So with that, we have a lot of hockey things. To yes. First of all, the most random news ever. Yeah. Mike Babcock is named the head coach of the University of Saskatchewan. Was not expecting that at all. I think part of it is because NBC is going away in December. And mm-hmm. so, like, and I don't know that he was really palatable to Canadian media. Not like he was super palatable to American media. <laughs> NBC makes terrible hiring decisions. Yeah. Maybe Mike Milbury. Um, but I think this is, there's a lot of imagery have to this because he's from Saskatchewan. And so hmm. it kind of makes sense. And he would never coach like Canadian because U.S. college hockey is uh, many steps ahead of Canadian college hockey. Oh, really? Good Canadian players, they go through juniors and then they go pro. And even okay Okay. Canadian players go through juniors and then play juniors as overagers. Very few go to Canadian colleges. Like you won't see a lot of pros you're more likely to see a a Canadian NHL player who went to college in America than you are to see one who because like American college has really turned into like this great development uh, league and it's right up there with junior hockey anymore because they have more time and so they tend to develop more mature athletes so it is not the greatest coaching job by any stretch of the imagination and definitely shows like how far he's fallen but it's it's definitely like an image rehab kind of thing he's still going to make nearly all of his money from Toronto I would be assured of that um with his buyout but 
I just think it's imagery had so I feel like after like all the stuff we know of him as like I almost said major league head coach as a NHL head coach um I don't know how I feel about him being a head coach for like kids so here I think he needs to do what Mark Crawford did because remember so I remember this happened and it was kind of a good lesson for everyone because um as soon as all the abuse stuff came out people rehashed a clip from Sid Chicklets talking about Mark Crawford and some of the things he did to players and there was like a quote from Blackhawks player or something and it got recirculated and then everyone's like oh he's so abusive he's so abusive and then they Blackhawks suspended him and then it came out that years and years ago before any of this was like any kind of public concern he was approached by players and kind of was like yeah this is messed up I'm not like I need to change this isn't working went to therapy completely changed his coaching style and all of the players of these last several 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 years would say he's a completely different coach Hmm. and I think that really shows something because he did it when there was no public pressure to do it right he just did it because he recognized that about himself Mike Babcock hasn't even really had any kind of mea culpa of like listen I'm an old school coach and some of the things I was doing weren't right but they were how things were done at the time yeah and I realized that I need to evolve as the game is evolving and so this is what I'm doing Adam Wilde always talks about this on the Steve Dangle podcast but like show me your receipts and Mike Babcock has done so that's kind of how I feel about that yeah like I'm I don't think what he did, like, I think what Bill Peters did, like, you can't come back from that. Yeah. I think he's, he's done. He should, the fact that he's coaching in Russia is a joke. He shouldn't coach at all. I think Mike Babcock, you realistically could come back from, but you have to have some kind of atonement. Yeah. Some kind of recognition. And he doesn't yeah. have that. So I don't see how that's going to work. Um. But anyways, now that was the only like general hockey thing I had. I wanted to get into climbing the corporate ladder. And this week we're going to do a standings check-in. Part of it is because I'm lazy (laughs) and it takes a bullet point away from me, but also because I think things are kind of shaking out a little bit and it might seem like we're doing them a lot, but there's only 56 games. So things kind of change drastically. And as a reminder, I do standings. If you look at the standings, they won't match mine because I do them by points percentage because it is super unfair to teams, Dallas, um, Vegas, uh, New Jersey, teams like that who just haven't played a lot because they've been stopped because of COVID. So yeah, first we're going to start with the Honda West division. Your winning percentage standings are Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota, LA, Arizona, San Jose, and Anaheim. the fourth spot in the division is probably the weakest four of any of the divisions I've seen. This it is just it's Vegas, Colorado, and St. Louis, and someone who's going to get annihilated by Vegas or Colorado. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it is surprising though, because LA is outperforming their expectations. So even though they're just out of it right now, I think Minnesota is about at their expectations, mm-hmm. and Arizona is disappointing <laughs> that. But uh, for a lot of reasons, Arizona is disappointing. But 
LA is kind of the interesting one. If they could sneak in, they kind of have the habit of sneaking. That's how they won their first or second cup. They were like the very last seed and ended up winning the cup. But I don't think they have the team to do that this year. Jonathan Quick is not the goalie that he was. And Drew Doughty and all of that. Anze Kopitar are not players that they were. Yeah. But it's still interesting to see that their rebuild is kind of going well and they're showing promise. They're kind of reminding me of maybe like the New York Rangers last year, maybe even the year before. Mm-hmm. So with that, the main event is um, the Arizona Coyotes. Um, they're a train wreck. Uh, yeah. Katie Strang came, uh, published this amazing article in The Athletic that is just a uh, like basically a repository of all of these accusations. Some of them we knew, but like she gave more information about. Some of them we didn't know. Um, One thing I think is interesting is she said what sparked her interest and what sparked her like questioning things, because this has apparently been long in the works, even before the Mitchell Miller situation, was her finding out that, or was it kind of coming public that, players weren't paid their signing bonuses on time because that's just a thing like that's in the collective bargaining agreement even your most Ottawa pays their signing bonuses on time and they're like well regarded as one of the poorest teams in the league um and so what she uncovered from that too is that's just like the way the guy does business it wasn't because they didn't have the money and a similar thing he does with vendors where he just doesn't pay them and doesn't pay them. And then when they come after him, he negotiates it down from the agreed upon price, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And it's so many terrible things about the Mitchell Miller situation and how they blamed it on this psychologist who said they shouldn't draft him. How you can blame it on this person when they said that there were concerns is kind of baffling to me like there's just so many things though uh there was a quote towards the end that I thought like summed it up really well I'm trying not to do too much because you really should read the whole article and the athletic does really invest in some great journalism Mm -hmm. and so I think it's worth it to pay for it um but uh, an anonymous former employee she had this quote you don't understand the value of culture until you saw it deteriorate and I thought that was pretty powerful indictment yeah. of the situation. Uh, and I think another thing that's really like shows their ass in this situation, pardon my French there, but <laughs> uh, is that immediately after this, they just went out after Katie Strang and like she's on a vendetta and like all like insulting her professionalism and stuff, which Katie Strang, not just in hockey, but like we're lucky to have her in hockey because she is one of the most respected journalists. She was one of the prominent journalists covering the Larry Nassar mm-hmm. allegations. Like she is amazing. And I've, I think everyone like, everyone, like you're really going to say this about Katie. Strange. Yeah. Like, who do you think you are? Like what? Right. It wasn't like a nobody reporter that no one's heard of just making these accusations in a random, like, tabloid or whatever like it's a notable reporter with a notable company like I think she does her research yeah like I still think it was kind of crap the rangers going after that blog and like making that the scapegoat for everything with the Tony right. D'Angelo stuff but I mean at least it was like a blog it wasn't Katie right. Spring right <laughs> I mean, for goodness sake so yeah that's that definitely like I said please read the article 
Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about yesterday, we had outdoor hockey at Lake Tahoe. Um, a few interesting things. First of all, Gary Bettman, for all of his struggles, is a really smart businessman. And I thought this was brilliant, this decision. Because every year they do an outdoor game. They mm -hmm. usually have to pick some big stadium so that it can have all the fans and all of that. But in the stadium, you really sacrifice the TV angles. And like it's there's certain things about it that make a great environment and then certain things about it that just don't really work because it's not a stadium built for hockey yeah but then because there can't be fans they're like well then let's not go for let's go for Lake Tahoe because it has this beautiful background to it and there's like a lake right behind where they're playing hockey so it's like it and because you see them playing right in front of it it kind of uh, evokes this vibe of like playing hockey as a kid on the pond mm -hmm. even though it's not that because it's professional ice it had that really strong like emotional connection yeah and so I thought it was super brilliant and it just looked amazing the only problem was there were sun issues and so I thought this was interesting kudos to NBC for digging this out uh Colorado was leading one nothing after the intermission and then they didn't pick up until um midnight eastern time yeah. when they picked up the second uh period and uh when the second goal was scored I believe but believe by Alec Martinez of Vegas it it was it's, maybe it was another oh no it might have been Nathan McKinnon uh but it was exactly nine hours to the second of the when oh the first gosh. hour was scored like like to the second <laughs> and we said like amazing. we looked this up <laughs> isn't that amazing so really, really random. Colorado ended up winning three to two. Um, it was really cool. I liked it. Really happy that Vegas did not wear their gold helmets. Okay, right. Um, definitely going to say they have better material, source material, but I love the Nordiques uniform so much better than the red Vegas one. I don't know yeah. where the heck Vegas pulled red from. It's okay, but it's not, it's not great. So. Yeah. Did you see, and I don't know the player's name, I missed it, but they showed it during like uh, the original, I guess, intermission, you would call it, because it never actually did the clock, but um, I think it was one of the Colorado players was doing a, like a Zoom interview, and he didn't know that, he like thought they were playing on the lake, because he was like, I've never, I've never played hockey on a lake before. Like he was actually excited because he thought he was going to be playing like ice hockey on a lake. His, uh, he was doing it, the interview with the teammate and the teammate was like, it's not on the lake. The rink is built next to the lake. And he was like, oh, that sucks. Like he was very disappointed. It wasn't going to be on the lake. And I wish I caught the name, but I, I didn't catch the name, but I've, it was so cute. He was so excited, like a little kid going to get to play on the lake. Oh, <laughs> he was here at Lord Belmore. He was so excited. <laughs> I love him, too. I just have to tell a quick Pierre at Lord Belmore yes. story. So um, he is kind of a journeyman. Man. Actually, before he played in the NHL, played in the Swedish Elite League. He's also one of the rare French hockey players mm -hmm. so, from France. But he spent a lot of time in the Swedish Hockey League. And he realized that, like, oh, they, like, I have trouble relating to, because in the Swedish Hockey League, most of the players are Swedish. Right. And so 
he just, he decided the way he was going to do this was he purchased Swedish like medical textbooks and chiropractic textbooks. And he's like, if I can learn this, I can speak Swedish. And so now he is like, not only just fluent, but he has like the accent and everything to the point where when they do their European media day, where they, it's usually in like Stockholm or Helsinki or someplace like that. And all of the European players, big European players come um, and they do the different interviews. There's ones of him and like William Carlson when he was on Vegas, like doing interviews in Swedish with Swedish outlets. Oh my gosh. So cool. And he can that's speak amazing. French and English. Like that's really, it's really awesome. So he's my new favorite non-stars player. Yeah. So he's really cool. <laughs> um, so that's the Honda West division. Next is the Scotia North division. And we're going to start with the standings. Uh, Toronto is like miles ahead of the pack. Then it's Montreal, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Ottawa. The thing I thought was interesting is there is a really big divide between Edmonton, which would be the last playoff team if it ended today, and Calgary. It's like the steepest drop-off. And so it does seem like if I had a prediction, this would be the division where we fairly know who the playoff teams are going to be first. Mm -hmm. Like the other teams, it seems like there's going to be a little bit of a competition for that fourth spot at least. Um, this one it does not seem that way it, it unless Calgary majorly turns things around it just doesn't yeah. seem or unless like Edmonton completely falls off a cliff yeah which can happen because they their goaltending is shaky but it's just interesting to me like how how separated they are um of course I had to talk about the Leafs were ahead five to one to the Ottawa Senators the worst team and like one of the worst teams in hockey and somehow lost it in overtime. I feel like if you blow a 5-1 lead and lose in overtime to the Ottawa Senators, you should not get the pity point. No. Like, they got the pity point, but they did not deserve the pity point. Not at all. <laughs> and so that, that was a thing. But they came back and won the next two games against them. But oh my God. And Steve Dangle, of course, had great reactions to this. But then he made the great point of like, what other team does their coach say, yeah, going into intermission with a 5-2 lead because they did give one back in like a shorthanded goal and that was what the coach was like yeah I don't have a good feeling about this what coach of the second best team of hockey has a bad feeling <laughs> and a justified bad feeling about a 5-2 lead going into intermission Yikes. against one of the worst teams and it was completely no. justified not just because it happened but also because of how this team is yeah so, the Leafs are special um <laughs> I liked how many people said the Leafs are leafing because this is very, like, yeah. this isn't even the worst blown lead. There is, of course, it was 4-1 in the playoffs when they lost to Boston, mm -hmm. and that happened twice. Mm -hmm. um, there was a really bad St. Louis game. They lost to the Zamboni driver. There are so many, like, epically embarrassing losses that this isn't even, like, top three. They're so. like the Mets of hockey, but like without like the side, the side issues of garbage. Yeah, the thing. Well, and they used to be that way because they. Well, they kind of are. It's just like they they're a little more advanced than the Mets are because they have oh. Harold Ballard <laughs> as their owner, and he was just absolute garbage. And then he's been out for a long, long while now, and so. But it seems like that's what the Mets were with their old owners. Yeah, and things are 
kind of they're still very met but at least they're willing to spend some money so the leaves are the advanced met yes <laughs> but they still have like there's just some kind of stank and the thing about the Mets and Toronto is they're both in these huge markets so you're yeah. like how are they like this like this yeah. doesn't even make sense but yeah so that's uh that's the least for you um and then I also wanted to talk about last night, Edmonton absolutely owned Calgary. I think it was seven to one or seven to two. Goodness. Insane. And Calgary outshot Edmonton, but they did not look good. I Calgary, they've been like ever since that that one year where they like won the division and then just imploded in the playoffs against Colorado, they've just almost looked listless for a long. Like mm-hmm. I, I never really I'm like oh yeah that's a team I'm scared of yeah and I think some of it is because they played in the Pacific Division which hasn't been the highest competition and so they haven't really invested in getting a ton better and I also like they just like at least for the stars bonus took them to the cup final mm-hmm. so like there was no way they weren't going to sign bonus as the head coach the flames just signed Jeff Ward because he made the playoffs on a team that should very make the playoffs like I have no idea what he did as interim coach to earn being the coach I yeah. it was almost like they're like well you're good enough and that that's not inspiring so no. I don't know what the deal is with Calgary but they have goaltending now like Jake Markstrom is the MVP of that team so far but I have no confidence in them as you can tell. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to point out, I thought this is interesting. This did not happen in the Calgary game, but McDavid reached 500 points and he did it in the exact number of games it took Sidney Crosby to reach 500 points. Wow. Which is pretty impressive. So they're, they're both pretty good hockey players. <laughs> um, next, Mass Mutual East Division. First, the standings. Uh, Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Buffalo. Um, I'm not super confident in New Jersey. They are rebuilding and or like early in their rebuild. Um, but they have McKenzie Blackwood, which is why I think they are where they are. And it's early in that. Like they're pretty far behind in games played to other teams. So I think that's contributing part of to that. So if I had to hazard a guess, it's going to come down to Pittsburgh and the Islanders for that last spot. So that's who I think the competition and perhaps it could be like Washington, Pittsburgh, New York Islanders for like two of those three make it and one doesn't because mm-hmm. Washington has been a little all over the place this year. Um, but if I had to hazard a guess, it would be Pittsburgh and the Islanders. I don't necessarily see New Jersey sustaining being fifth. I'm kind of surprised New Jersey is as high as they are. Um, I gotta pull it up. Mackenzie Blackwood is actually amazing. So that's part of it. That's actually all of it. Yeah. Um, he is their future. He and Nico Heischer are like everything to that team. I, Nico Heischer is hurt, but he's going to be named captain and was like a really good draft pick. Yeah. Mackenzie Blackwood, a 0.938 save percentage. Oh, that okay. is everything. Yeah. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> literally how they're winning (laughs) so that's that's something 
And then, of course, we have to end with my guy, Sidney Crosby, played his 1,000th game yesterday. Of course, the Penguins won. He had two assists. It was weird because there was, like, COVID stuff. So the only person, like, his parents didn't get to come, which usually is, like, a thing. Yeah. Part of Because they're in Canada, so, like, they couldn't. But his girlfriend, Kathy, who he never really, like, does anything with her like it was hard it's hard to find pictures of the two of them on the ice when he won the cup because he's just very private intensely private, which I respect but he had her come out and the cutest thing ever so Sid has this thing where he like never in the locker room will stand on the team logo yeah one of his like 3,000 superstitions (laughs) yeah and so she avoided the penguins logo on the carpet walking out to the ice it's really cute and the one thing I wish, though, okay, they lived together, and they made her, like, wear the mask and then pose for pictures with the mask, and they let Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, the alternate captains who prevented him with, or presented him with stuff, they let them take the masks off to pose for pictures. I'm like, this is a little silly. Yeah. They live together. Yeah. Like, can we just, like, a, a picture? Can we have a picture? <laughs> But it was really cute because it was like he got teary eyed through it. And there were so many great tributes, including like Alex Ovechkin and a lot of great players in the league. And then the best tribute of all, all of the Penguins players were 87 for warm up jerseys. And then Sid has, again, 3,000 superstitions, <laughs> one of them being at in a very exact time in warm-up, at a very exact location, and in a very exact manner. He reties, unties and reties his skates. Oh, good and lord. the entire team mirrored him when it happened. Oh, that's adorable. I and love I that. I love it because Alex Letang's dad, Chris, uh, <laughs> never like was asked about it. And he's like, he's not going to give up whose idea it was. But the locker room had to have some fun with this. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Um, his gift, he got like the team gift was like a custom made Rolex. Uh, he got a silver stick, which is traditional. And then mm-hmm. they gave him this artwork that I thought was really cool. It was a picture of him, but you know, like the picture where it's all these little pictures that are colored. Yeah. It's one picture from all of his 1,000 games. Whoa, that's cool. It looked really cool. So, sorry, I, I just like, that was my rave right there. No, I, guess. Really- I have another rave, but <laughs> Sid, I'm just so stoked and he deserves so much of this. Obviously, he's already hit 1,000 points, so he's mm-hmm. more than a point of game player. He's amazing. We're all, yeah, it's just so exciting. You know, he's amazing because no one will play with 80, like no one in the league plays with the number 87 and just hasn't since he's been in the league. I never noticed that. But it's like, no one will. Because it's like, that's amazing. That's that's insulting to a currently active player. That's amazing. So finally, the Discover Central Division standings check-in. And I have some comments on these standings. Uh, Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay, Dallas, Chicago, Columbus, Nashville, Detroit. Um, Detroit is an ass. Everyone predicted that. They still are. The thing that I think is surprising is so it, the bottom three go Columbus, Nashville, Detroit. Nashville is closer to Detroit than they are to Columbus. Wow. Which is pretty surprising because everyone is kind of expecting Detroit to be in a league, a league of their own <laughs> uh, as far as like terribleness. Yeah. 
Nashville is like like there there's still distance between Nashville and Detroit, but like I said, closer to Detroit than Columbus. And Nashville has just fallen off a, a cliff this mm-hmm. season. The thing that's interesting in the history of the Nashville Predators, they've only had one GM, David Poyle. Oh, and I'm very curious. He should have been fired a while ago. Yeah, like, his moves have been a little stale for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what happens with that. He might decide to retire. I don't think they want to fire him just because of everything that he's done for the organization. Obviously, the two surprise teams, good-wise, are Chicago and Florida. Chicago, again, like New Jersey, is goaltending-related. Kevin Lankinen. Like, people could have predicted that Mackenzie Blackwood could have an amazing season because he had a great season last year. And I think it was a lot of people, like, had had him on their Calder ballots. Kevin Lankinen literally no one like everyone no one even had him as like the goaltending they had Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban as like mm-hmm. the goaltending duo so no one even thought he would play let alone be as good as he's been and then Florida it is absolutely amazing and that brings me to my second point I want to go a little deep dive into Florida because I don't think they get talked about enough mostly because they have like four fans yeah <laughs> <laughs> but they made some great offseason additions some of that I think has to do with not having Dale Talon as their GM anymore um the uh trade with Pittsburgh for Hornquist he has been amazing which I would have predicted because he's a great complement to skill players like Barkov and uh, Barkov and Huberto great for the power play he just really fits a position that they didn't have of like the front of the net mucking it up still has a lot of skill guy um, Carter Verhage from Tam- uh, Tampa last year has played really well and just been a great, like, cheap signing, productive. And then Ottawa, for some reason, Anthony DeClaire had an amazing season, and then they just didn't resign him for whatever reason. Um, but Florida swooped in, and he's been great for them, and he's he's a value because he's underpaid for what he's worth. The thing that's interesting is usually Sergei Bobrovsky throughout his career. He's one of the goalies who like has on year, off year, on year, off year. Last year was way off year. So everyone's like, oh, this year he's just going to be liked out. Not so. So I want to compare because there's him and Chris Drieger. Uh, Chris Drieger has a 926 save percentage and a 2.35 goals against average. Bobrowski has a 3.18 goals against average and an 889 save percentage. Now that's all interesting enough, but. Drieger makes $850,000 and Bobrovsky makes $10 million. They have a $10 million backup. No. They've played exactly the same number of games, but they have basically have a $10 million yeah. backup. That's insane. And again, that's the Dale Talent. That's one of like the last horrible things he did. This is a thing. Okay. In the current NHL, do not pay your goalies like you pay your first line centers because yeah. it just doesn't work out they cannot like the best thing is to have two pretty good goalies and have one amazing goalie because one amazing goalie is usually going to cost more than two pretty good goalies and it's gonna like they can't their optimum playing level is going to be the same as your two pretty good goalies like you want to split up the time that's the most yeah way. so pretty baffling but they're doing amazing um doesn't surprise me Joel Quenville is a great coach I encourage people to like 
definitely pick and choose the games. Like when they play Tampa is a good time to watch, but definitely watch some of their games because they're a fun, like Alexander Barkov, low-key, super entertaining to watch and same with Jonathan Huberto. I think just because they play in Florida, people don't really know about them a lot, but they're really, really talented and really like dynamic players, not just like, like John Tavares is talented, but he's kind of boring to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Huberto and Barkov will do like amazing things. And so definitely like, like that. And then we have to end with the Dallas Stars. And <laughs> I feel like we're going to end with some rants. Yeah. Morgan, do you want to take it away? Yeah. Well, first of all, the Stars play Florida three times this week. So I'll get to see Florida, which yeah. now I'm nervous about. <laughs> um, well, hopefully Bobrovsky will play a game or two. Yeah. Um, so the Stars didn't play at all last week because snow and ice and I'll leave some of that to my actual rant. Um, but the main headline for the Stars was on Monday, I guess it was, which to me, I'm like, was it really all the way back on Monday? Because it kind of felt like it was like yesterday. It also feels like it was three weeks ago. Um, the Stars decided not to play their game on Monday 30 minutes before puck drop which I was on Twitter all day that day and all day that day everyone was saying the stars should not be playing because at like midnight 1 a.m that day was when uh quote-unquote rolling blackouts started happening and people were going at that point 8 12 18 hours without power so and the stars are we're just gonna go ahead and play and I think we all know that a, a hockey game takes up a lot of electricity and it was crazy because first of all the stars weren't saying anything of oh we're we're still deciding if we're gonna play tonight's game we're looking into it da, 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 da. and it was like maybe 40 minutes before puck drop um one of the beat writers essentially said that like the CEO or whatever of the arena was and I'm paraphrasing here but this is how it came across was like we thought about not playing but then we decided we're gonna go ahead and play but we'll do like an energy reduction type thing I'm like what the hell how are you gonna do a are game? you gonna play by candlelight right how are you gonna do a full-blown game and keep in mind there are fans there so that means there's concession stands too and all that staff and then the uh, city of Dallas mayor had to request them not play so therefore they didn't play and by the time they decided not to play uh, fans were already there beat reporters were already there staff for concessions in the arena were already there players were already in their uh, uniforms suiting up tying up their skates getting ready to go uh, warm up and then they're like We'll, we'll cancel the game now which, which this is something an intern should be able to decide it's that obvious right literally every stars fan i saw on twitter was like they should not be playing the game tonight like at all um and then like literally we were seeing pictures of you know the normal uh players arriving at the arena in their nice suits and i was like they're really actually gonna play this game this is insanity and then after they decided not to play 
then it was said, and I still, I've heard the word grid so much this year that I, or this week that I never want to hear it again, because I'm still not quite sure how they work, but apparently the grid that the arena was on, it's also tied to a couple of hospitals in the area, which in my mind was probably the reason they still had electricity for the arena, but also in my mind, I'm like, so the arena shouldn't be doing anything. So all that power could be diverted to, you know, hospitals and emergencies. And And it was also tied. Some people say that it was like marked as essential, which you, you, you shake your head and you're like, whoa, that seems wrong. But then if you step back and think, and you're like, if there are mass outages and they can't keep anything going, if they can keep a big arena going, then that can be a shelter for a lot of people. Right. But that's to use it as a shelter. Yeah play a damn hockey game exactly because that's what everyone was also saying they're like okay well then because oh it was also on the same grid as the convention center that was being used for a a warming's uh center and it's like okay if the stars wanted to have you know some goodwill let's keep in mind it was a week before that they made a stupid statement that they had no business making um they could have just used it as a warming station clearly they had concessions they could have provided hot meals for people who didn't have electricity or water or anything like that and instead they were like no let's use the lights and the music and the sounds and keep the ice cold and let's just have a full-blown game and then 9 a.m the next day they were smart enough to cancel the game for that night and then subsequently the rest of the week which is like yeah you kind of should have done this at 9 a.m on monday but I think is Gary Bettman calling and being like okay like but I did want to make a pitch just see what you think of this because I I had forgotten about the whole statement I think the Dallas Stars have proven that they need to be the first one to like pioneer a new position in the NHL which is chief of common sense (laughs) and they can basically just like they're involved in every decision and they just sit there and they don't say anything except every now and again when something like this happens all they can say is, are you kidding me? And then the people know, okay, we got vetoed. Can I, I want that job. I would be <laughs> literally so good at that job. Can do it. <laughs> it's so obvious some of these things. So then when they have this dumb statement, someone can say, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I would be so good at that job. <laughs> so stars, you wouldn't even have to pay that much because it doesn't even need to be the most skilled person ever. I mean, apparently apparently for that organization, it does. Apparently we don't have that skill, so. Um, But then I also uh, related to, um, since the Stars can make their relationship to the Mavericks part of their issue, I'm going to make a connection with the Mavericks because the Mavericks were playing on, they were supposed to play on Wednesday, which was an off day for the Stars. Um, And they obviously canceled their game early enough but it was interesting to me because on twitter it was saying that the governor requested them not play and i was like huh to me i feel like that's still an anthem related pettiness that the governor didn't have any say didn't contact the stars about playing at the same arena 
but he had to contact the team who he had an issue with just a week ago for not playing the anthem before the game. So somehow I feel like that's all connected. And I found that very interesting and very stupid because the Mavericks have more common sense than the stars and they weren't going to play anyway. It should have just been like the mayor or the governor, whoever makes a blanket statement that requesting all sports sporting events of any right. level in Dallas be canceled for the week. Yeah. Easy. It's just baffling that it took the stars so long on Monday. I did want to call 30 out minutes. though, because this is really cute and kind of reminded me of, unfortunately, but also cute, the tornado situation from a while ago. Yes. That, uh, Jamie Ben opened his home once again because he's the greatest captain ever. And Essel Lindell allegedly took some people in. And then uh, Tyler Sagan, who is not in the U.S., but so then his house had power. So he's like, whoever wants to stay at my house can stay yeah. at my house. And so I just thought that was the cutest thing ever. And Hugh Dobin also had said on Saturday when they had practice <clears throat> that, <clears throat> sorry, just going to lose my voice at the end of this, <clears throat> that he had like 11 people staying with him. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I saw some like super obnoxious internet people being like, well, why? Like they're all millionaires, blah, 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 blah. It's like, Okay. It's power. Some people just don't have power. And then they are all millionaires. So if they can stay in the home of other millionaires, then they're not going to take up the resources of the like housing and stuff that should go to people who aren't millionaires. So it makes sense. Um, Um, They also, I saw on like Tumblr, they were like, okay, so Essa Lindell is confirmed the like uh, uh, Finnish mafia dad of the team. Uh, and then also I, I, I'm wondering, cause I, obviously they probably all live in like the rich area of Dallas. And there had been a lot of, um, points on Twitter that the, uh, neighborhood in Dallas that is known for big fancy houses didn't lose power. Um, like there was a whole, like, it looked like the whole neighborhood just, managed to keep power the whole time and outside of it didn't um but uh I'm I'm don't think all of the stars live in that area because I know like um Miro Haskinen lived in like uh I mean it was a fancy apartment building but I know a lot of apartments lost power so I'd imagine that like a lot of the stars who don't have like the bigger contracts were probably in the areas that did lose um, power. Your Miro types, because they're on their entry level, yeah. they're probably going with something like rent or lease because they want to wait until they get their big contract to like buy a house. Because otherwise, if they bought yeah. a house with their entry level, knowing how much they'd make, they buy a house at a certain price point, get their big contract, have to sell that house, and then buy a bigger house. And it's like, let's just wait and buy a bigger house yeah and the rookies that are on the team and the taxi squad like a lot of those are younger guys and let's say they wanted to stay with like the veterans on the team even if they didn't lose power just so like you said then they're not taking up extra power um I also like I am still trying to figure out I was lucky enough and I never lost power I'm wondering if maybe I'm on the same grid because I live a mile away from hospital and a mile away from a fire station and I'm wondering if you're on the same grid as like emergency services like that if that was the reason because I I talked to a number of people 
um, who also live relatively close to hospitals. And they were like, yeah, we never lost power either. So I'm wondering if maybe a few stars are also ended up on the same power grid or however that works we as also, hospitals in the area. In my area, something we've seen, which I'm lucky Iowa hasn't been impacted near as much as Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, but something I've seen with storms and stuff like that is depending on how your lines are positioned. So we have some of the older houses in my city have the lines that are above ground. Mm-hmm. And then we like where I live has buried power lines. And so it takes more for my power to go out. Mm-hmm. But then also the sources and how it gets to different things. I don't fully understand it, but there just are like, certain ways of setting up power that work better than others and so some of the older places cannot be as good too so it's kind of interesting the thing I was thinking about just as like an example okay imagine not having like any power which means like you can't charge your phone can't really do anything and being in like Finland so you don't know the language at all so that's just like even if they have like really nice homes or whatever like I've seen stuff and Rupe has been on the team longer than Miro but both Rupe and Miro haven't been in America that long yeah and it's just like let's have a little bit of compassion like yeah it sucks for everyone obviously it sucks more for people but that doesn't mean it doesn't suck this is like the COVID thing of course for people it sucks more for it like you can always find someone who has it worse than you of course that doesn't mean it doesn't suck yeah and I, and I don't know why we have to explain that, but yeah, we have to <laughs> yeah. explain that. And I feel like the takeaway you should get from like the stars veteran like opening up their homes isn't that oh well don't they have big fancy houses they should all be able to it should be like look at them the veterans of the team being you know good humans good leaders like that's what you want on the team because. I could easily see it going the opposite way of like, well, why didn't Jamie Ben allow um, his teammates come to his house if he had power and blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it's just like, can we just accept it as like a goodwill, like leadership and thing? It's a model of what you, I'm sure you're seeing a lot in Texas, which is yeah. like neighbors supporting neighbors. Yeah. And that's, it's just a, a, a high profile example of people coming together so exactly celebrate that so with that do you want to go to rant and rave yes do you want to go first do you want me to go sure because my rant's kind of just a continuance of what we I were just talking my about rant is too. Um, uh so my rant's gonna is about like i could just bullet point rant snow ice texas infrastructure not being built up because oh my god it takes money to do that and we don't want to spend money that's the government um uh our quote-unquote leadership you know just fucking off to cancun like i could go on an hour-long rant about that and then and then did a whole like well not even a whole photo shoot because it was like three pictures and i swear to god he's carrying the same case of water to two different cars and there's no line and I basically just, if you look up photo op in the in the dictionary you see that those dumb pictures of Ted Cruz right and the whole his whole thing of it being um oh I was just gonna make sure they they got there safely what were you gonna do on like at what point did you think it was gonna be unsafe and at, and what would you do about it nothing and then 
it's like, well, no, because you had your original ticket to come back on Saturday and then you got caught. So you had to come back Thursday. And then like, I swear to God, he had a statement about, he was just trying to be a good father and his kids wanted to go to Cancun and it's cold and miserable. Okay, we had no power on. and heat. His kids, if you ask them, okay, where do you want to go? They would say Disney World. No kid. Cancun is like what 21 year olds say. Cancun is not what kids say. Right. And then literally like hours later, he tried to say like, um, basically he said the opposite of that is what I got from it. And then it was, if I had known how it would look, I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? You don't have one person on your team that was like, this is a bad look. What? And I just, I, I never want to see snow again. Well, at least maybe give me a year. And then if I see it, I'd rather it just stick around for maybe a day also let's not have the temperatures I guess I when I wish for snow I should clarify that you know 30 degrees in snow I'm good with that it doesn't need to be eight degrees it doesn't need to feel like negative four like let's just keep it at 30 for a day just and just a few inches because like I was telling Morgan before we it decided to snow again today and like four to six inches on top of like 12 inches of snow that's already accumulated it definitely wasn't something I needed but you know um the other thing so my rant kind of goes along with this but in honor of a podcast listener and someone who I think is awesome uh Rupe Gurianov on on Tumblr um has been going off and I really appreciate it about and this is something Midwest people do and North people do all the time. It's so annoying. Anytime the South has snow, mm-hmm. it's like, let's dunk on the South. And it's like, okay, they don't have snow plows. We'd be screwed too if we didn't have snow plows. We'd be screwed too if our houses weren't made for the snow, like all of these things. And then my, my other favorite one, which are like your... I call them like your your Twitter phony liberals, like your liberals who the only thing they're trying to do is like dunk on people on Twitter, mm-hmm. but like actual activism and just like the things that actually go along with being a liberal don't really interest them. Like basically saying that because a, a little over half of Texas voted for certain people that that then means that they deserve everything which one you're forgetting that like almost half of the people didn't vote for that and two like listen there are a lot of things where I'm like okay conservatives thought was coming was coming to them but losing your power and like basically kind of being sort of homeless for a week I'm not gonna say anyone had that coming to them yeah, because I'm actually like I have a little bit of a heart, and not only do I have a little bit of a heart, but some of those people, heroes who they like idolize on Twitter, AOC and Beto, have hearts too, and they mm-hmm. use the Democratic fundraising infrastructure to raise money for these people, a lot of whom would never vote for either of them. Yeah, that is what you should do. And AOC flew to Houston this weekend. Yes. She's not even a representative in this state. So I, I kind of wanted to do the, the juxtaposition. I wanted to call out, Rupe Gurianov has a lot of great posts about like the shit people are posting and just mm-hmm. how awful people are. But I also think it's important to call out, and it kind of goes along with my, my rant from last week 
of like obviously trump's the worst like okay establish that but that doesn't mean that we need to let like these idiots and phonies and assholes like claim a party that they aren't like Mm -hmm. If you want to have liberal values, then have liberal values. Don't just have liberal values when it comes to voting against Trump or tweeting funny things. Like, actually have them when it matters. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, cool that you voted for Trump, I'm glad, or voted against Trump, I'm glad that, like, we all needed to do that. Not going to turn down your vote, but, like, don't really want to work with you because don't really have a heart. (laughs) And that's kind of the point. It's like, we want people with heart. Yeah. And that's what's like, I was really amazing to see um, AOC and Beto do that. And it was really awesome to see the juxtaposition because I think Mm -hmm. it shows exactly how to be in a time where we really needed those examples. Yeah. And especially when, because I I saw a number of people when um, it first came out that Cruz was going to Cancun. I was like, well, what was he supposed to do while he was here? And I'm like, well, there's other examples of what he could have done. Yeah, okay. I just can't get over Cancun. Because if he'd have gone, if he'd have, like, escaped to Albuquerque, <laughs> like, it wouldn't have looked great. But it wouldn't have looked, like, as terrible. Because it's like, okay, he just, he clearly was just trying to get out of, like, the immediate danger. So he went to Albuquerque. Now, granted, nobody else could do that. So still kind of a bad look, but not as bad as Cancun. (laughs) The greatest, the greatest things to come out of this is like, are like the tweets about, oh, so you mean a father jumped the border to for a better life for his kids? Like those analogies. I freaking love those. And then they're pointing out that for his photo op, he didn't quarantine. Yes. There or back. It's for ridiculous it's just i'm convinced those like the people in those pictures are also his staff i'm convinced like he and his staff someone is on saturday night lives payroll <laughs> they just want to give they're giving them the best material the they easiest really material are. ever so anyway rave time <laughs> Rave time. Uh, Laura already knows my rave because I sent it to her the moment I found it because I was also afraid I'd forget it. Um, So I'm pretty sure I've talked about this multiple times. The stars have a YouTube series called Open Ice that they do every, I I think it's most seasons. It's usually after a month of play, they put out the episode and it's kind of like behind the scenes kind of fun things. Well, that's not always fun. Some of it is a little like emotional. You get bad at the fact that, you know, at the beginning of this episode this year, they showed the stars losing uh, the Stanley Cup, but it's fine. Um, But they're really well done videos. And I kind of wish every team and every sport did them because they're just, they're amazing and they're fun to watch. And you kind of get like almost like bloopers of the, of the players, just like being their normal selves. Um, but this year they showed what the stars um, uh, give out. I, like, I don't know how to explain it, but like after a win, like last year, it was like that big chain necklace with uh, a giant hockey puck. One year it was like a, uh, a mask of some sort that now I'm forgetting what it is, like a knight's mask, like an armored mask type thing. And I forget there isn't one in between that I forgot, but this year they're doing a baseball bat which, you know, speaks to me. And it's in stars colors. And it really made me excited because 
the whole reason I started watching the stars goes back to one moment in time. And that is when the, um, it was Ben Bishop, Jamie Ben, and Stephen Johns went to a, um, it was like stars night at the Rangers ballpark. And so they were at batting practice and Jamie Ben was there and he took batting practice. And I just had that one moment where it's like, oh, I could get into hockey now. I'll watch hockey. I kid you not. That was the moment I decided I was like, I'm going to watch hockey this year. And I did. And now here we are. Um, so I had like a full circle moment of oh, now that they're using a baseball bat. And like um, in the video, I sent Laura, like Jamie explained why they're doing it. And um, I kind of forgot why, because I just got distracted with the fact that, oh, now my favorite team is going to do a hockey and a baseball mashup. And now I just want them to win every game even more. I like ending with racing. <laughs> I have a little bit of like a funny rave. So Kevin Bieksa is like one of the mainstays of hockey night in Canada now. Mm-hmm. He's new, but he's been really awesome, really well-spoken. Side note that he was really good friends with a guy named uh, Rick Ripon who died by suicide and so he's been like the uh probably the biggest and first advocate in the nhl for mental health stuff and has some pretty amazing initiatives if you research it so great guy but he's hilarious too so he obviously is like doing zoom for the different panel discussions and is in his office and it's been a game of like what photos are behind him so the first one people noticed was he had uh, his former teammate from the Anaheim Ducks, Ryan Kessler's ESPN body issue photo, just like right behind him, <laughs> which is awesome. And then this week, it was a picture of Vern Fiddler uh, uh-huh. like, mocking him on the ice, like oh mocking Bieksa. And so like imitating and mocking. And it was just, it, I can't wait to see what he does now. Oh my gosh, so, that's amazing. Just, subtle like and it makes you want to tune in just to see so really really loved his sense of humor he's always had a really good sense of humor and he's been a great addition for a lot of reasons to hockey night and kind of revitalized a little bit what hockey night in Canada was but that's just like the icing on the cake so with that uh we want to encourage obviously everyone stay safe stay warm if you're in one of those places that's been impacted um we will try to do the same because we are both a little sick of the cold and the snow but um have a good week everyone and we'll see you next week bye guys